Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You worked for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, done a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, Valdez. columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. The nation. This is America with your host, Rich Valdez. Happy birthday, America. It's 245 years of Americanism. What's up, America? Rich Valdez. Valdez with an S, your liberty-loving Latino amigo right here, 17 blocks away from Madison Square Garden in New York City. And it's the 245th birthday of America. Welcome to the Sunday edition of This is America, celebrating America's independence from the tyrannical King George uh, regime in England. I think sometimes we forget about that. We forget about the history of it all. We forget what actually prompted this. And quite frankly, it was freedom of religion, right? And taxation without representation, getting overtaxed and not being allowed to worship the God that we wanted to worship that really sparked a revolution, a revolt against England, against white colonialists. AOC would be so proud of America, right? That we fought back for liberty, justice, home of the free, land of the brave. Anyway, big shout out, of course, to America because. I mean, this is America. But things are not all dandy, right? I'm looking at the news, and there's so many headlines out there. I mean, right now you've got the the crazy headlines, like judge approves unsealing of documents that link Ghislaine Maxwell to the Clintons. Not really my shtick, the whole, uh, you know, what happened a million years ago thing. But um, I know a lot of people love that, and you get a lot of views and hits with that stuff, but it's just not for me. Uh, U.S. economy adds 850 jobs in June, 850,000 jobs, but the unemployment rate continues to tick higher. And I get that. It's, it, it ain't easy out there. Biden administration responds to rising inflation concerns, bragging that the price of July 4th food has gone down by only 16 cents. Good job, Joe El Baboso Biden. U.S. forces have withdrawn from Bagram Airfield, the largest military base in Afghanistan. And we're going to talk about military and military history in a little bit with somebody who knows a little bit about that. Merrick Garland has stopped federal executions, and Texas sheriffs and ICE officers sue the Biden administration for stopping deportations and criminal illegal alien arrests. So we're not going to cover all those topics. I just wanted to go over the headlines because those are the most pressing issues of the day right now on this uh, Independence Day weekend. And it comes as no surprise that, you know, President Trump on Wednesday was down at the border, and on Thursday night, He joined uh, Sean Hannity on television, and he had lots of things to say. So I have a couple of cuts from there that I want to play for you because I think it was, I think it was really, really uh, appropriate. Some of the things that he talked about. Mainly, everybody's complaining about Joe Biden, but we all want to know: Does Joe Biden get a pass? Does Hillary Clinton get a pass? Well, here's what Trump had to say to Hannity: that Democrats are getting a pass because of fear. Check this out. Why does Joe Biden get a pass? 
the Democrats get a pass. Hillary Clinton got a pass. The Democrats get a pass. You look at a guy like Bill Barr. They said they're going to impeach him. And once they said they're going to impeach him, he became a whole he became afraid. He became afraid. I said, what's wrong with you? He became scared. They go after people. They go after him so hard and so viciously. And all of a sudden, that's what happens. Not in all cases. We have some people that are incredible. But you have some people, they get brought over to the other side for fear. And we can't have that. We have to, we have to fight so strong. Look at me. They go after me with Mueller, with this one, with that one, with impeachment one, impeachment. I call it the impeachment hoax one and two. And all of this old nonsense, made up stuff. In fact, they were the ones who were guilty. They come after me. New York radical left prosecutors come after me. You got to always fight. You got to keep fighting. It's a disgusting thing. It's very unfair. I guess they don't call politics a blood, blood sport for, for no reason. If you move forward, you know how difficult it is. But you seem ready to re-engage in, in that battle. And when you It's lo- not that I want to. The country needs it. We, we have to take care of this country. I don't want to. Is this fun? Fighting constantly, fighting always. I mean, uh, it, the country, what we've done is so important. When I say the greatest tax cuts, now they want to raise your taxes. They want to double your taxes. And nobody and the Republicans in the Senate and the House, but the Republicans in the Senate have to fight hard that the taxes don't get up because that'll be terrible for the country. Absolutely. It's terrible for the country. And it's funny how it seems like only Trump is the one that uh, recognizes this and is calling it out. And very few people, kudos to Hannity for giving him a platform to talk about it, because nobody seems to want to give people a platform to talk about things. When you start to say things that are unpopular, people want to censor you. But El Trumpito, Donaldus Magnus, the 45th president of these United States, he wasn't done just yet. Nope. He had a little bit more to say. He went on in his conversation with Sean saying that the cartels are so smart that they could have graduated from Wharton. That's where he graduated from. Check this one out. We had just, it was over. We stopped a lot of the drugs that were coming in, which is very tough to do. And they have some real criminals bringing this stuff in. They have the toughest people. These cartels, these are tough, smart people. They're like, they went to the Wharton School of Finance and graduated number one in their class, but they never did that. (laughs) But they would have graduated number one. They're very, very tough and smart. And what they've been doing with human trafficking and drugs and all of the other things is a disgrace. We had it largely stopped. And in two months, three months, they ended. Stay in Mexico was so great. Stay in Mexico. They couldn't stay in this country. And they ended it. Uh, You take a look at the governor saying catch and release. I ended that. That's where you catch a criminal and you release them in our country. And then they're supposed to come back for a trial three years later. Uh, Louis Gohmert, I would say they don't come back too often to trials, right? You would never see them. Is that correct, Louis? Louis is a great congressman, too. And uh, he's the only one that might be even tougher than us on the board, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. But I will say this. Look, we had the relationship. Everything was good. You need the federal government. They need help from the federal government. I gave it to them times 10, and we did it. And then he comes in, and he stops building the wall. All you needed was two more months, and we would have had it completed. Yep. Two more months and they would have had it completed. And it just goes to show you that even there was even that legal battle that we talked about a couple of months ago with respect to um, building those sections of the wall that Biden was saying, I guess we're going to have to go through and, and build those with um, whether we like it or not, because they had to be done. But 
they tried to stop them in court and they tried to not to fund them. And the court said, well, you can't really do that. And it was a whole big thing. And that's why now you've got everybody doing everything they can. You've got the governor declaring a state of emergency at the border. Then you've got even um, local sheriffs, right? This story that I mentioned before, this one we will get into. This one's by Carlos Garcia in Blaze Media. I think this is a fascinating story because people always say, you know, what is it that we can do? What is it we can do? I think the most important thing we can do is stop looking to other people to do what we think needs to be done. Now, I'm not saying to take the law into your own hands, so to speak, but I am saying get her done. Speaking of get her, that's the name of that new uh, app that the president's affiliated with, but we'll talk about that another time. Now, Texas sheriffs and other law enforcement groups filed a lawsuit Thursday against the Biden administration for preventing the arrest or deportation of criminal illegal aliens. Well, that comes as no surprise, but that's what's happening. Former Kansas Attorney General Chris Kobach is the lead attorney for the plaintiffs. The ICE officers involved in this case are absolutely astounded at what their superiors are asking them to do. Releasing people that have been charged with the rape of a child releasing people charged with dealing drugs and resisting arrest, Kobach said to the Washington Examiner. These are really serious criminals. And ICE is being ordered by the political leadership of the Biden administration to turn them loose, he said. The lawsuit says that a change in policy by President Joe Biden in relation to the detainment of illegal aliens means that many dangerous criminals are being released in the U.S. In one case, ICE refused to take custody of a man who had been deported four times and was convicted of domestic violence, evading arrest, and multiple counts of DWI. Local law enforcement was forced to release him. Congress has mandated that the executive branch must detain and remove certain illegal aliens, but the Biden administration is ignoring the law. And that's Kobach. He continued, the administration's actions have forced ICE to stand down and have almost brought deportations to a halt. That has fueled the crisis at the border, encouraging more illegal immigration. It's also created an unbearable burden for local law enforcement in Texas. End quote. Now, critics of uh, Biden's lax immigration policies have pointed to a worsening crisis at the border as evidence of their inefficiency. On the other hand, illegal alien advocates have excoriated the Biden administration for not doing enough to end deportations. So this is where we're at. Biden's immigration plan includes a roadmap to citizenship, quote unquote, for the millions of illegal aliens already in the United States. And we've heard this time and again about the whole reason behind this, that we're trying to create new voters. I learned that very early in life, that to win an election, you have to be effective. You have to have ground game. But the number one thing is getting more votes than the next guy. So the key is always getting new voters. And a big way of doing that for many people, and Democrats have been great at this, but Trump matched them and probably beat them in 2020, was in registering new voters. And there were a bunch of unaffiliated, uninterested, apolitical people that jumped on the Trump train. That's the way to do it. You're not going to convert the Democrats. That neighbor of yours that's like, no, yeah, you know, I think we should have free college, free this, free that, free that. All right, forget that guy. We got we to gotta marginalize that guy by getting five guys that believe what we believe. This is a battle of ideas. It's a battle for the hearts and minds. I always have an argument with my brother. He always tells me, you know, this is not about hearts and minds, Richie. That time came and left. Now we've got to get down to business. And I'm like, what's getting down to business? <laughs> How do you get, what are we going to do? Sit here and beat everybody up that we don't agree with? That isn't going to work. It's just not going to work. We're not going to beat City Hall. Oh, but we could overwhelm them. Nah, man. Look at what happened at the Capitol. Look at every situation. I mean, when we really get down to thinking, just really, just 
hypothetically speaking, in crazy terms, just imagine one of these or, or several of these militia groups decided to say, you know what, we're out of here. We got a million men strong. We're going to do this and we're going to do that. How do you even organize a group that big without professional organization, professional leadership like you would have in the United States military? That's incredibly organized, despite their CRT leanings, right? Um, and, and it's a shame that the United States military is, is embracing all of this critical theory, critical race theory, critical gender theory, all of that stuff. And that there's so much of that that's infiltrating and using the military to be political instead of to be patriotic. But putting that aside, just what do you do with a bunch of these citizen soldiers that are not part of a National Guard, but are part of a militia? A bunch of guys that are 18, 19, and then a, an even bigger bunch that are, you know, 59, 58, 62. Some of them in great shape, most of them not. What do you do with this squadron of people? And how do you think they pair up with an actual federal protective service like we saw the way they cleaned up the, the courts when, when Trump actually put them out there? In seconds, half an hour tops, they, they stop entire insurrections. Fighting City Hall militarily, good luck. I don't think so. My money is going to be on City Hall each and every time. And not because I like them or I want them or I'm in favor of them. I just, you know, this isn't 1776. And the concept of only 3% of the population fought, whatever. Uh, a, I don't agree with it. I think it was probably closer to 15 or 20%. But even that, the idea that just a small majority can do it, this is a different time and it's a different uh, type of battle. King George didn't have that type of grasp. We had the home court advantage. <clears throat> we don't have a home court advantage in the swamp. Even when we had a president in the swamp, we didn't have a home court advantage. The only way to get this back is to do to them what they've done to us, subversion, take it apart from the inside, dismantle it. And this is a little off topic and we'll get to it a little bit later. And maybe in the third segment, we'll talk about um, schools. But it's something that I have experience with. But that's the only way. Parents actually do have the ability. The citizen does have the ability to hold the government accountable. Not legally, although they do, but by their actions. The government can't survive unless we're complicit in those actions. Keep that in mind. Anyway, keep it locked right there. We're going to get into that critical race theory and a couple more things. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. Para Inglés, o primal número dos, para Rich Valdez, y esto es América, ahora. What's up, America? Happy birthday. Welcome back. Independence Day weekend. It's the Sunday edition of This is America. I am Rich Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all the social media. And straight ahead, we're going to have a guest, Patrick O'Donnell, who's going to be calling in, talking to us about his latest book. He's a military historian, and he argues that we should be teaching military history to the commanders that are in our American military, not critical race theory and how to be a quote unquote anti-racist by Ibrahim X. Kendi. And you know, last year or a year and a half ago, I uh, tore that book to shreds because I thought it was teaching things that were just not appropriate, not correct. They flew in the face of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. And worse, it kind of perverted and prostituted the term anti-racism. I think most of us aren't racist and we consider ourselves to be anti-racist, but they've now claimed that to be some sort of woke term. So we'll talk about that in a little bit more on the military side as we honor America's 245th birthday on this uh, Sunday edition of This is America. But first, I want to talk about what's going on with all this wokeism and critical race theory stuff. And in Arizona, they were going at it, right? They have these parents that are just speaking out and they're saying, you know what? Enough is enough. 
I'm not interested anymore. And I want to play cut number, I think it's cut number 13. Yep, cut number 13, Arizona School Board meeting. Critical race theory is holding my kids back. Listen to this. I'm not a part of any group. I just came here because my kids are 8, 10, and 12. And um, we, we start to experience things as far as um, Black History Month. Um, my kids will, be, will come home and they will be afraid. And I, I would always ask them what was going on. And then I start realizing that they were teaching stuff. They taught my kids about slavery and then civil rights and nothing in between. And now you got C CRT, and I ask you guys not to burden my kids with something that's gonna hold them back. 30 seconds. Um, I don't really give them, teach them all the history because I want them to soar as big as they can be without the burden of someone saying, well, you're oppressed, or uh, I'm being nice to you is why you're succeeding. I want my kids to just thrive and continue to be kids and grow as much as they possibly can. So I ask you guys, um, just, Take a look at what you're doing. What, what's the future going to hold for the kids that's experiencing all this right now? Well, there you go. This dad is 100% right. He's saying, look, I don't want my kid to go to school and, and hear that he's oppressed because he's black. I want my kid to believe that he can take everything in this world, that he can achieve every goal. Reach for the moon if you miss, you're amongst the stars, as the saying goes. 100% right. He doesn't want to hear all this critical race theory. And from the video, it appears that this is a black man because he looks black. Heaven forbid, people of color speaking out against this idea, critical theory, critical race theory, um, anti-racism. There's a lot of names for it. Um, socially engineered, no sé qué, qué sé yo. Right? All sorts of crazy stuff. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. They keep renaming it because people keep catching on. And then they go, that's not critical race theory. That's just teaching America's history. You see, America has a very racist history and we need to teach the truth. This has nothing to do with that. Everybody knows the truth. There's like a PG-13 version of the truth and there's an X-rated version of the truth that I'm just learning about, which we should continue to learn about, right? I, I re recently looked, I looked at a, uh, a review for a movie or documentary called Buck Breaking and I wanted to learn more about what it was. And I was astounded. I knew that these things happened. I'd read about it, but I didn't know the detail. Absolutely horrific. This makes any stories you've heard about whipping posts seem like the PG or rated G version, right? Talking about slave owners sodomizing male slaves in front of their entire families to emasculate them so that they could continue to have their compliance. I mean, this is absolutely subhuman behavior. And these were people that, that did this on a regular basis for, for their own greed. Many of them were brought up in this way, and they should not get a pass. And that's why we fought a war, and more Americans died in that war. You know, and this is why I think it's, it's such an honor to be an American. You know, I think when you look at our history, you go, you know what? Americans are so awesome, in my opinion, that when they saw that other Americans were being douchebags, subhuman individuals, humiliating, raping, killing, abusing other uh, Americans that happened to be black, 
because they were black, treating them as if they were less than, we fought a war. And many people had many different motivations. I know because you try to defend Lincoln, oh, but Lincoln was this, listen, I'm not trying to make Lincoln out to be God. I'm trying to say that America fought a war where 650,000 plus Americans died and we've never lost that many Americans in any other war except for our own civil war. And we did that to correct the wrong that we saw here in America. That is the America that I love. That's the America we're celebrating um, 245 years of. Not this America where people are oppressed, but one where we defeated slavery back in the day. An America where we're not looking back towards that. An America where guys like Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, who's probably one of the the most famous civil rights activists ever, said those famous words. That he has a dream that one day children and all people will be judged not by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. That is what we need to look forward to. Anyway, keep it locked right there. I am Rich Valdez. Straight ahead, we've got Patrick O'Donnell. He's a um, New York Times list author, many books, I think a dozen or so. And he's going to tell us a little bit about his book and why we should use his book to train the commanders uh, in the United States military instead of Ibrahim X. Kendi's book, uh, How to Be an Anti-Racist. So keep it locked right there. I am Rich Valdez, and this is America. This is America. He's making podcasting great again. This is America with Rich Valdez. Welcome back, America, to this Sunday edition of This is America, celebrating America's 245th birthday. Happy birthday, America. I'm at Rich Valdez with an S, Rich Valdez. On all the social media, you can get me at richvaldez.com, of course. That's our flagship website, therichvaldez.com, where you can find out everything you want to find out. If I'm on Newsmax, any of my commentaries, you can get it there. You can get in touch with me there as well. And I want to welcome a veteran historian. He's written multiple New York Times bestsellers. Uh, His name is Patrick O'Donnell. His book, We Were One, Shoulder to Shoulder with the Marines Who Took Fallujah, is required reading for Marines and appeared on the Commandant's professional reading list. Uh, But it's tragic and it's scary what's happening in our military right now, right? This great resource uh, is under fire and so many others because there's these other things that are being introduced. And he's got a new book, The Indispensables, where he details historically how America has won battles and wars. And you might guess it's not by making our warriors read books like How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram X. Kendi. So um, I want to bring in Patrick O'Donnell so he could break it down to us, give us his take on what's going on with critical race theory in the American military, as well as um, give us the scoop on his new book. Patrick, welcome to the program. It's great to be on with you, Rich. You bet. So tell us uh, a little bit on, on the new book and how, um, how you think it's going to be received. Do you think it's going to make its way uh, back on the commandant's list? And what the heck is going on with some of this required reading and how? Uh, tell us about this shift that you're seeing. I know I'm seeing it with um, the reading lists and the um, ideology and philosophy that's beginning to grow. It's there, but it seems to be growing amongst the ranks. Yeah, my book. The Indispensables is about why we fought the American Revolution. And it's about the men and, in some cases, women that were at the forefront of our, our founding. Um, they were the financers. They were the main idea men. But they were also in the main inflection points of the American Revolution. The Marblehead Mariners, 
were also a diverse group of Americans, which doesn't fit the narrative of today in many cases. These men were, um, you know, they were free African-Americans or Native Americans, white Americans, and as well as Hispanic Americans in this group. And they were in all the main inflection points of the American Revolution, the early American Revolution. They rode Washington across the, the Delaware. And this is a situation, Rich, where it was the darkest days of America and literally everything that the founding and the, the founders envisioned was about to go dark. Um, and, uh, you know, Washington stakes everything on a desperate roll of the dice at Trenton. And it's only the Marbleheaders that, that allow them to cross in New York city after the battle of Brooklyn, it's the Marbleheaders that save the army by rowing it across the East river. Um, you know, Rich, I've written eight books on world war two. I've written mm-hmm. four. I've, I've interviewed about 4,000 world war two veterans. Um, they were my you know, closest family members in many cases, but the greatest generation is our founding generation, and it's, it's in danger right now. The founding is, is in the crosshairs of critical race theory and many other things uh, out there that are, you know, where people are literally trying to, to change the zeitgeist of our country in the mood of our country. Um, to one of looking at the founding in a different manner, uh, you know, looking at it as, uh, you know, these were men that were trying to oppress people, when in the, the reality is we were being oppressed by a brutal government that was 3,000 miles away in London that was, you know, in, you know imposing their will on, on the Marbleheaders and the rest of the colony. Colonists. And we're on with Patrick O'Donnell, author of The Indispensables, The Diverse Soldier Marines who shaped the country, formed the Navy, and rode Washington across the Delaware. And Patrick, I want to I mean, tell me if you agree with this statement that our nation's founding, our nation's history is facing erasure from similar ideologues as King George at all today. I think we're in grave danger, uh, especially in the digital age, Rich, where we could be canceled instantaneously. And ideas are being canceled. If you cancel the founding generation, you cancel the, if you try to cancel the founders, you're, you're trying to cancel their ideas. And that's what's so important. The founding generation is our greatest generation. They changed the world with the American Revolution. It was revolutionary. Many, many revolutions after that were spawned from the American Revolution. But it's the American ideas and principles which were formed and spawned during that revolution. The ideas of liberty, small government, you know, these are all things that, you know, the, the elements of power and how to disperse it. The founders really understood that. I mean, one of the main characters in my book is Elbridge Gerry. And Elbridge Gerry, uh, you know, is known for gerrymandering, uh, but unfortunately, uh, because he was the governor at the time that signed the law. But, it, but his real strength was in Republicanism with a small R, understanding how, you know, an oppressive central government can control people. And he was very obsessed with dispersing government power. And, you know, it, it, it goes into our founding documents. What's also important about the indispensables is these men were at the forefront of the civil rights movement before there even was a civil rights movement. They were ardent abolitionists and they were opposed to slavery. And this is, you know, incredibly important that we don't hear in some of the, uh, the revisionist history, woke history that's going on today. You know, and I think that's a great point that you bring up because Something that you mentioned earlier and you kind of reiterated now is that 
We've had a military that was very, very diverse. And like for Hispanic Heritage Month and things like that, I've always pointed out how uh, Hispanics uh, that were Americans, um, including those from Puerto Rico, have fought in every major battle in, in United States history. And we, we have gone further and further away from oppression and closer and closer to liberty and justice for all, I think, in my lifetime, and it seems to me in our history, up until now. You know, we've gotten away from Jim Crow and redlining, but yet it seems that there's such a push right now to rewrite history and bring us to a place where we're facing oppression. Again, we're trying to ingrain oppression into the daily conversation, into our curriculums, into our newscasts, into every part or every institution of, of American culture. And um, as a historian, how do you react to that? Uh, I think that we're living in exceptionally dangerous times. These are not normal times. Um, one of the reasons why the Indispensables is really resonating with people is it's a window into 1774, 75, 76, but it's also a window into current events. The book begins um, in 1769, where a ship is being impressed by um, the Royal Navy, and literally the crown is imposing its will. But really what makes it unique is the town of Marblehead in 1773-74 is hit with a virus, Rich. And it's interesting mm -hmm. what happens with the town. It is divided politically between patriot and loyalist. And the loyalists use the virus for political means to, as a wedge issue to gain control of power. It's really striking what, what occurs. The, um, the patriots try to build an inoculation hospital where they try to, to save people's lives. But this is a, you know, a dangerous um, technique at the time. People die. They literally catch the virus. But most survive. Um, but the, the loyalists burn the hospital to the ground with the people inside it. Miraculously, nobody dies. But the loyalists then have, um, you know, the, the, the men that did that act are, are captured. They're put in jail. But the loyalists incite a massive mob of thousands of people. They descend on the jail. They break open the, the doors with axes and crowbars, free the men. And the main characters of my book, their homes are surrounded by the loyalists. And, and an angry mob that are that are intent on killing them. And uh, my main character, for instance, has an interesting way of dealing with it. He has a, a four-pound cannon that he that he moved into the foyer of his home. And as the mob descended <laughs> on his front yard, he had the, the doors thrust open, and he told him to stand down with a lighted torch in his hand. Wow. This is Patrick K. Um, O'Donnell. PatrickKO'Donnell.com is the website. The book is Indispensables and the story is fantastic. The guy's got a, uh, a cannon in his doorway. And you know, it's interesting. I guess this will be the final thought. We'll wrap with this. But I, I find this story fascinating because you're talking about loyalists that are, you know, counterculture in this revolution. And I think AOC and Bernie Sanders and so many uh, of that ilk they view themselves that way. They want to break open the jails and let people out because they feel that it's it's oppression. And there's other patriots out there that say, you know what? No, it's the government that is the oppressor and it's getting too big and, and those that embrace Marxist ideology. And I think part of the big divide here in America, in our national uh, discourse, is that so many of us think we are right. And so many of us also are constitutionally and historically illiterate when it comes to the founding. So I guess. Um, using um, your analyst hat, if you will, how would you um, prescribe a remedy for the AOCs of the world that think that they're modern day founding fathers? Well, I think that the, the, the greatest remedy is the truth. 
and the truth of the American Revolution and its story is a nuanced one. And it's, it's gritty. It's not necessarily, um, you know, always it, it was an American Civil War. But the ideas that were born in the American Revolution resonate today as they did in 1776. Mm-hmm. So the truth and ideas will set them free. The idea of big government, you know, that failed back then and it's going to fail again. I mean, we fought wars against it. You know, over 100 million people died for communism and socialism. You know, I think people will wake up as, uh, you know, it, it never has worked. And I mean, the founders in my book in particular were all entrepreneurs. They saw what oppression did to their lives. They feared for their lives. I mean, they were also, they also the crown also tried to disarm them. And it was the Marbleheaders that brought in our first foreign aid. You might find this interesting, Rich. Our first foreign aid comes from Spain in 1774, which I bring out in the book. It's the connections that the Marbleheaders have with the king of Spain and the the great trading houses there. And it's the Hispanics that are also fighting in this unit. But, I mean, what rings true in 1776 rings true today. You know, a, a, a massive, sprawling government just doesn't work. And it's the founding principles of small government and liberty and freedom that resonate today as they did in the past. Couldn't say it better myself. Patrick O'Donnell, thank you for joining us. Get the book, The Indispensables, PatrickKO'Donnell.com. Again, Patrick, thanks for joining the show. It was an honor, Rich. And this is why I always tell people, you got to know what's going on. You got to know where you come from. You got to read something. You got to know something. You know, over this um, long Independence Day weekend, I, um, I am now going to confirm and not deny that this right here that you hear... This is a uh, advanced copy of American Marxism by Mark Levin, and uh, it comes out on July 13th. You want to get a copy of that as well as Patrick's book. But I have um, read a little bit of it, and I decided I need to do this in one sitting because it's really, really exciting. And that's what I'm going to commit to doing over this weekend. And it's so important that we continue to do things. And listen, I used to read a lot when I was younger, but I've really fallen out of love with reading. I have to be frank with you. YouTube uh, has... has um, gotten to me, right? YouTube, Rumble, all of these great things. It's so great to watch a video and see funny things and watch memes and scroll through social media. And you get these little chunks of information uh, that are sometimes very um, punchy and very witty, very pithy, but you don't always get all of the context. And that's what you get when you read the actual book cover to cover. And it's sometimes it's a task, especially a book like this one that's heavily um, researched and, and highly cited with endnotes. So I think when I say read something, know something, do something, I really mean it. I want to encourage each and every one of you to learn a little bit more about America, learn a little bit more about whatever, whether it's your school board or not, because it's parents that have the, the control. It's the citizen that has the control. Just imagine if every parent across America decided to take some of their kids out of school or half the parents took their kids out of school in protest to the way schools, instead of going and complaining at the meeting, and I'm not saying you shouldn't, you should go and you should complain, you should fight. Yes. but. I think equally as important is we should say, you know what, I have a right to homeschool my child and I will homeschool my child. Not say, oh, but I got to work. It's going to cost me money. I pay taxes for it. But forget all that. Take your kid out. Guess what happens? The money goes with the kid. You may not get the money, but they won't either. If schools have to start dealing with hundreds less children, they're going to have millions less dollars, thousands less children. They're going to lose a fortune. You will get their attention. Get the political power. The teachers union can only do so much. The power is with we, the people. Hasta la próxima. If you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. And the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people like you to sit there and do nothing. You already know what you got to do. So 
Happy birthday, America. And until next time, I am Rich Valdez, and this is America. This is America. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com.